Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey to the Pegasus Galaxy and the City of the Ancients, Atlantis. Hello, good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 214. Nope. 15? Well done. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Pretty much. <laughs> Covering SGA Season 2, Episode 11, Epiphanies. On a roll today, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Good evening, folks. And um, before we start the recording, Alan checked the uh, the numbers for this episode, both the Gatecast episode and the uh, Season 2 episode, Atlantis. Uncannily, 20 minutes after asking me, he's got them both wrong. <laughs> I aim to please, Cindy Beans. This is the guy that remembers everything. Well, relevant stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> The choice was clean up or buy more space, he said, looking at the 106-pound disc full sculpt that was sitting on the shelf. Well. I was hoping she might have included an LBE so I could use it as a prize on Monday. Now I'm going to have to dig out something vaguely disc worldy that I can give away. I did ask my friend Denise to send me some Twinings lemon and ginger tea. I thought that, that shop sold that sort of stuff. Uh, he doesn't have lemon and ginger. He has hobnobs. Well, there you go. That's all you need. And iron brew and toyser. Okay, don't know why he's stopping them, but fair enough. Iron Brew is quite popular. You can't keep it on the shelf. Even at 180, you can. There are better soft drinks than uh, Iron Brew. I like Iron Brew. Not so keen on the toaster. Well, it's 180, you can, or 7 for a tenner. They both really should be in the shows that look back at the 70s and marvel at what people were up to, what they ate and drank. Yet they're still around. Yes, we are. We are both here in the 70s. Yeah, but nothing's as good, you know... You used to be able to buy a wagon wheel and it had thick chocolate on it. Now wagon wheels, you can actually see through the chocolate to, to the biscuit. I thought it was impossible to get chocolate that thin. Cut back a little on my West Wing. I'm up to episode 18 of Team Wolf, which I think is close enough to current. And 13 of Arrow, which appear to have been paused for that silly sport. Yeah. I bought a couple of Star Trek paperbacks a month back. Mm-hmm. The difference between Kindle paperback were about 20 pence. I thought, if I'm, if I'm going to pay an extra 20 pence, I want a physical book. The profit margin must be lower on a paperback than digital media. It's got to pay, hasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, you have to physically print it, aren't they? Yeah. If I'm going to be paying pretty much the same price, I'll buy it on paperback. Oh, that's the other thing I was saying to Heather. It feels like I'm on holiday here. It feels odd. This just occurred to me. Maybe because I'm reading the same game about time travel. But that is the other thing. I was, it is actually surprisingly compelling. I was reading that and I found myself because rather than doing the thing which you said you couldn't do, which is watch 10 or 12 minutes of TV while I eat breakfast, I found myself wanting to read the book instead. And it's been a while since I've had a book that compelling that wasn't written by either Pratchett or Banks. Yeah. Have you read Steam yet? Or Raising Steam, rather? You know I have. I do? Yeah, talked about it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no chapters and footnotes. I would say I enjoyed it. I like I liked it to uh, making money. You liked it more than making money, or you likened it to making money? I liked it more than. I still think going postal is as peak with moist. Yeah, cracking story that is. Of the last ten, I can't see anything improving on Nightwatch. Well, first time you read that, you went bloody hell. <laughs> That's a little different. Absolutely cracking read though. I mean, like I went back and read it again. As soon as I finished it, I was like, I want to read this again now. Thanks to Free Digital Reads, which has taken a severe dip recently, I've got... I should probably read it. <laughs> we are the Rusted Robot Podcast. Lower your shields and surrender your minds. We will add your MP3 recordings and opinion on Geekery to our own. We will adapt to embrace this culture. Resistance is futile. It's the bog. Commander Adama, Cybermen, Daleks, and Cylons are fast approaching. Jump gates forming in multiple sectors, and the Doctor's nowhere to be found. What are we going to do? Tune into the Rusted Robot Podcast at therustedrobot.podbean.com and on the iTunes Store. Sean and Bridget Vanderloo's love for all things geekery and robots are our only hope. Oh, boy. Get rusted today. Robots. Cyborg. Androids. Oh my. Rusted robot.
Where was I? I think I'd gotten a couple of episodes into season four of Vampire Diaries. Once I've shuffled that off, it's Mortal Coil. I can continue with the originals. Yeah. Would you call Klaus a sort of meta Damon? Damon hasn't got anything on Klaus. But he tries. He tries, yeah. Klaus, it, it comes naturally. He can't help himself. Even when he's trying to be nice, he accidentally kicks a puppy and... Another boils a kitten. I now have that scene from Quest for the Holy Grail on my head with thousands of people shouting, get on with it, so I shall indeed get on with it. If you're quite ready. Video is zeroed. Sounds almost military. And in reference to Colin's tweet, va, full, ein, clicky. Hmm. Ooh, nice shiny map engine. Could have been a bit more snow cap. <laughs> Why do you have to park so far away? This ridge was a little further away than it looked. Yes, whenever they need to save money, they park the jumper a long way away so they don't have to do a CGI effect. <laughs> do you even know what it is we are looking for? Yeah, well, whatever it is, it's around here somewhere. What's around here? Whatever it was that was causing the energy spike we detected from the puddle jumper. You can just walk through the standard jungle set. Like, hey, the woods of Vancouver? No, that is a set. Oh. Oh. They're very good at making fake woodland. Not quite there yet. Looks like a door. Yes, it is remarkably door-like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Roland. King of witty banter. Well, looks like the only way through the ridge anyway. Runs for miles. All right, let's check it out. Whoa, 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 whoa. there's something there. What? There's some kind of an energy barrier right on the threshold. And the good thing about this, the doorway looks fake because it is fake. Yes. They get away with that. Now, how many times, though, would they bother even scanning for anything like that? Well, this is Rodney, paranoid. I'd duck a vote you. Yeah. <laughs> Could have bounced back or anything. Well, it's many of the same properties as the cloaking field. Yeah, and the ancients did tend to hide all the really cool stuff. Yeah, I'd just like to be able to explain these readings better before we stepped through. Yeah, but why would you cloak the doorway? You'd mm. cloak the whole wall, surely, yes. so you couldn't even see the door. So it looked like a cliff. Because... Yeah. Now, this is just genius. I got a camera. I didn't ask for a log. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Ronan for you, isn't it? <laughs> log. Everyone loves log. Tip it to the stick. I've got to hashtag this when we post the episode. What, everyone loves log? No, mouth on a stick. Well, we're SGU out, we could call it something else. Yeah, mouth on a stick. Yes, mouth on a stick. Very clever. Are we done? Yep. Surely Daniel Jackson had a camera. Daniel never put his on a stick. This is a patented Rodney move. How convenient. That's a CGI effect. Yes. So it's, a, it's a puddle effect. Anybody can stick that in. Rodney should be reading the walk. I am not fluent in ancient, but I do recognise a few words. Welcome and ascension. Ascension. To a higher plane of existence. The race of people who've built the Stargate, they eventually evolved to a point where they ascended to a state of pure energy. That'd be great. I love the way Rodney's so dismissive of it. They ascended. <laughs> I better dig it wrong over there. I'm sure we got more than enough now. There we go. And have a look, shall we? Perhaps reading the instructions beforehand. I wonder if those sound effects were just added for our benefit. Okay then. Any volunteers? Hmm. Boring cave. Not much happening in there. Just um Back out if you encounter anything problematic. Like what? Problematic. <laughs> yeah, like uh, poisonous atmosphere, acid atmosphere, no atmosphere. Hey, it's mouth on a stick. Only shows you so much. <laughs> uh, go for it, John. Okay. Here goes. <laughs> okay. Everything okay so far? Until bits of him enter. We're going to be pulled through. What is wrong? Yeah, it's going to hurt my hands a little. Okay, so get out of there. I'm trying to, but it's pulling me in. I got you. Okay, come on, guys, get me out of here. I'm trying. Try harder. I don't know, we proved this. It shouldn't be happening. Well, it is. It's pulling me in. It's too strong. Don't touch the barrier! <laughs> I wonder if, when they film this, actually add somebody pulling him. Possibly. It's probably the easiest way to mimic the effect. Oh, oh, that's nice. Mm. Oh, well. Thanks, mate. So, what's for tea, lads? <laughs> Damn, how do I explain this to Elizabeth? Now, that's probably the longest Atlantis teaser we've had. Yeah, over four minutes. 
Okay then, Epiphany, Season 2, Episode 12 of Stargate Atlantis, The Gatecast, Episode 215. The story is by Joe Flanagan and Brad Wright. It was written by Brad Wright and directed by Neil Fernley. This was the only episode he directed on Stargate, but if you look at his IMD page, it's pretty big. Like Jason, really? Yeah. The episode had its premiere in Canada on November the 28th, 2005 in the US January the 13th 2006 we got it January the 18th the French May the 20th Swedish June the 15th 2007 and Japan October the 17th series with episodes of the same name War of the Worlds Earth Final Conflict Casualty Desperate Housewives Water Rats and Angel there snow cap happy yes uncanny where did the snow come from because I didn't have it on beforehand I don't know if you can hear me over the radio but Finally, on the other side. I'll you. Much darker in the cave. The obvious reason that it's a cave. Mm-hmm. Also, they wanted to kind of emphasise the fact that as light was passing through the barrier, it was being slowed down and phase shifting. Mm. All right. You guys, stay put. Why can't he move? Probably the effects of the passage through portal. Why did you tell us to let him go? Because you weren't going to stop him. The last thing we need is both of you to get pulled in with him. Why would the ancestors create something that would do this? I don't know. Figure it out or you're going in after okay, him. Okay, that is not helping. Obviously, the portal reacts differently to living matter than it does to inanimate objects. Maybe you've got to adjust to the new time frame. Uh-huh. Nope. And this is one thing they had to emphasize, the, uh, how the two timelines were now running. Cave opens up to the other side of the ridge. There's not much there, so... Uh... Oops. <laughs> Just gonna wait here and give you guys a chance to figure this one out. Colonel Shepard, this is Taylor. Please respond. You're wasting your time. It's not gonna work. Colonel, if you can hear me, please respond. There's absolutely nothing on this tape that could possibly indicate any cut. Oh no. What? My memory's full. It's recorded almost two hours and. And the battery just died, damn it! Why are you wasting time? That is the one thing I am not doing, okay? Look, I need something living, like a, like a, like a flower or a blossom, okay? That's like contact, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've only gone a few seconds, but they recorded 17 hours. I've never actually seen contact. Not a bad film, but not one I've wanted to watch again. Fair enough. It's Jerry Foster, Alien Contact. Yeah, I've heard of it, I just haven't seen it. Give it a go. Make it one of the uh, films you watch on your film night on VHS. <laughs> No, they got a data projector now. Okay, lovely. <laughs> Stand back. And if you can't, then I guess you can't hear me. No, John, no. Do not do that. <laughs> ah, good one, John! <laughs> Shoot yourself! <laughs> uh, try to explain shooting your toe off. Stop shooting yourself. Stop shooting yourself. To test a theory, work with me here, people. Look, if I'm right, we need to hurry. What are you doing, McKay? I am trying to determine how much faster time is passing on the other side of the portal than it is here. Why would time progress faster? That doesn't make any sense. That is what I am trying to prove. Now, just wait. I say it's different watching this episode when you know the story. When you first watch it, you know, you don't really grasp that so much time is passing for John, but so little for these three. Six, seven, eight, nine, okay. ten. Bear with me. Twelve. Yes, Rodney, you can count. Congratulations. 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Hmm. A lot faster. That is not good. Mm-hmm. Now, the large scene of the cave, that is actually the outside area with all the trees removed and lit different. Hmm. That must have taken a while to set up. <laughs> yeah, remarkably how different it looks. Mm-hmm. Cave opens up to the other side of the ridge, but there's nothing in the immediate area I can survive on. This episode was filmed between the hiatus period, mainly to give... Sometimes to get all the trees out. <laughs> yeah. No, to give Joe to grow his beard. They had a decision. Either grow a beard or fake one. Mm-hmm. Always looks better if it's natural. And then, of course, they filmed it backwards, so the end of the episode got filmed first, and they trimmed the beard back as they went. <laughs> the director, Neil Fernley, he did the commentary for this episode, just him by himself. Mm. Probably not the most entertaining you know sometimes you really are better if you got somebody to bounce off of yep. informative lots of uh, little details about filming 
<laughs> I'm gonna turn off my radio for another six hours to conserve the battery and try to get some sleep. Ship it out. The blossoms have aged several hours at least. We might be able to pick them up in the jumper, but I need to get back to Atlantis. You're not going anywhere. It is a time dilation field, which means the time is passing much faster on the other side of the portal than it is here for us. I'm not sure of the exact ratio, but I need to go now. Why? I don't have time to explain temporal compression theory to you when every moment we stand here debating this, literally hours could be going by for Colonel Shepard relative to us. Look, hours equate to days, and days for us could mean years for him. Do you get it now? I had a thought Ronan would have caught up, because he's not an idiot. You know, and he's an intelligent being from an advanced world or former advanced world. And you stay here. <laughs> and do what? Don't go through if that's what you're thinking. Ronan, you stand there and be door guard. Rodney, Taylor, Ronan. Come in. Paul John, feeling abandoned. Well, the battery has done nothing here. Well, I'm going to say you'd hope a military spec communications device would last quite a while. Maybe take two or three battery packs with him just in case as well. Mike, just buy him a little more time in there. Fine. There you go. Good. Hmm. Yummy. And typically the US approach to buy a degradable ration pack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, something's happening. See, I don't understand. Well, yeah, in hindsight, you do understand why he hasn't really gone anywhere because it hasn't been that long for him. Mm -hmm. What the hell took you guys so long? But there's obviously a way out. I mean, he's lit a fire so the smoke can escape. So why hasn't he gone exploring a bit more, found some water, found some native vegetation? He said there were nothing for him to survive from. As John himself finds out, though, there's food and water just outside the cave. His decision to stay could kill him. Emergency rations, medical kit, anything else? Extra batteries for the camcorder. Right, you know what to do? Press record, extend, and hold for three seconds. No more, no less. And then pull it out again. Right. Nigger. If he's still there, that should give him plenty of time to record a detailed message. Damn it! Why didn't I send you a note? What do you mean, if he's still there? Look, depending on the compression ratio inside the field, there's a very good chance you may have used up the supplies we've sent through by the time you get back. I know it's hard to get your head around, but what it means is we have to. must them. hurry. Right, go, 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 go. <laughs> there we go. Why not fly her closer? Yeah, just drop the ram and then she can jump out. I did hear Rodney flying it. You couldn't have given you a grandmother a Ferrari. <laughs> yes, he was very nervous when he began. Not quite Carson level nervousness, but... See, now we've got to go through the explanation all over again. They're really drilling it into you. Extreme tidal forces that would normally occur on the event horizon of a time dilation field, and we were keeping him from passing through it. So part of his body is experiencing time at a different pace than the other? Who knows what that could do to him? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be good. So you don't even know if he's alive? The most time-efficient approach was to assume that he was alive but stranded. And why not assume that he'll make his own way back through the portal? Because Colonel Shepard would have already had hours to try to make it back through the portal in the time I wasted explaining the situation to Conan and Xena. <laughs> Very prophetic. This is McKay. Supplies been loaded aboard yet? Surely there's a... Science fiction program that, that explains it easily. Securing the descent probe into the launch compartment. Smooth. Yeah, you're an MD. You can be my beast of burden. When Rodney does go into take charge mode, though, he's pretty impressive. Shepherd. I'm pretty sure you can't hear me, but I don't have a volleyball to talk to. So with <laughs> nice reference to uh, Castaway there. Yeah, they're really throwing in. I've forgotten about that. Obviously, I remember this episode quite well. That's what I mean. I would have thought after a while, after a few hours. Peek out the other side of the cave. Live on life, I'm my own source of food and water. Not that I didn't appreciate the three canteens of water and the whole handful of power bars. Picked up. Not happy. There's nothing in the immediate area. I'm gonna have to go further out. Go exploring a bit more. Give you any indication of where I go. As I go. Shepherd out. Now, now, John. Temper. Now, where did I leave my gun? That's it, put the fire out, you know. Okay, you could burn down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that one is very flammable. The batteries in his gun obviously still work. 
I'm not saying it'd be easier for Ronan to carry all that stuff. That was quick. Not fast enough, I fear. <laughs> be careful. Watch your hand. Get the camera. Damn, the camera was in that bag. Oh, brother, stick time. <laughs> Dr. McKay would like us to try this again. See if Shepard's still alive. And to determine the true passage of time on the other side. That's it. Look on the bright side. You're not exactly going to get a perfect idea of the, the compression ratio, as he calls it, by just... All right. Three. That's more than three seconds, isn't it? That was a long enough to see anything. Five, six, maybe even. And yet it seems to have recorded several minutes. And they pan the camera slowly. Makes you the idea that the difference in how it's moving. He's not there. Oops. That was me reacting to something happened here and off the screen. We have interactions. Mac. Great show last week, another good episode tonight. I love the knife scene. Now we're in Vancouver Woodland. Yeah. That's it, John. Yeah. <laughs> it's me or you. I like John with beard. He reminds me of uh, Lou. Well, you're either going to eat me or I'm going to eat you. Of who? You know, our, our commander from the series, which we're not covering yet. Oh, right, okay. We've loaded weeks of supplies and everything I could think of. What well, we not think enough. Now take a minute and be certain. If your theory is correct, you won't be able to make many of these trips. I am painfully aware of that. I remind you only because from what you've told me, rushing is what got Shepard into trouble in the first place. This was not his fault, it was mine. I should have looked more closely at the video. The clues were there before he even stepped through. Now, now. No time for incriminations. His lifetime. If it takes us a week to ten days to fix this, then it won't matter because he will probably have died of old age. <laughs> oh, we... He's being slow today. Come on, Carson. You're a qualified doctor. Smart man. Well, we'll pick him up on the way, and I hope you got us a real jumper pilot, because I don't trust him, and I can't fly the damn thing in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, did the director tell you where this field is? Canada. Well, that's not really the director, is it? No, nobody told us where this field was. Where is it? It's there, in the trees. What is it? The beast. <laughs> Is there a safe place for us to go? No, the cluster is too far. It's upon us. Well, the sound effect is. <laughs> you can't actually see anything. You can't fight it. Maybe we can scare it away. Okay, loud noise, but I can't really see what it's achieved, John. Except wasting the ammunition. <laughs> Beyond you. It's invisible. Oh, Ow. spectacular wire work. This is just a mighty fine sequence all around. Was that by any chance Jason in it? No, Jason's not a stuntman. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Whee! <laughs> I've got him, I've got him. <laughs> Hang on there. <laughs> I've not got him. Yep. Yep. And the Beast is played by Glenn Ennis. He is a stuntman. This is his second episode of Atlantis. As an actor, he's been in Arrow, Watchmen, Blood Ties, Dead Like Me and Smallville. And as a stuntman, Continuum, True Justice, Sanctuary, Man of Steel, iRobot and X-Men 2. There it is. It's basically, they had to forego the green screen and blue screen process. Mainly because the uh, sky was blue and the field was green. <laughs> So they did it pink. <laughs> the pilot is Scotty Miller. This is his only time he appears on the show. He's been in The Killing, Alcatraz, Once Upon a Time and the 4400, Canadian actor. Prepare to launch the probe on my mark. What is this probe of yours supposed to do? Well, it's supposed to descend slowly into the atmosphere of a gas giant. Chute opens, the probe separates into two components joined by a tether hundreds of meters long. So we should be able to receive telemetry from inside the time dilation fields, while the other half of the probe is still outside. Right, and depending on the variance, we might be able to fly right into the field and rescue Shepard. Very clever, Rodney. Uh, yes, it is. Actually, it's like his idea. <laughs> oh, I must have taken him to admit that. <laughs> As you can see, the facial hair is coming along nicely. Although, John, she is a bit young for you. Hi. 
am now. Again? That went straight through you. Yeah. Yeah. It's only taken me half the episode to appear. She makes most of her time. Have no fear. Tia is played by Chad Morgan. She's been in House, CSI New York, The Bridge, Taken, The District, and done voice work for Robot Chicken. And I healed you. You did? Well, young to be a doctor. Hedda is one of the few among us who possesses the healing power. Oh, good. Thank you. It's we who should thank you for saving our brother from the beast. The young girl, Hedda, is Nicole Menez. She's been in Hemlock Grove, The Tooth Fairy, Defying Gravity, and Defiance. She is the daughter. Mm. <laughs> if we run away, we're all right. Only fools get beat up by the bees who will challenge you. Starving. Yeah, those field rations and power bars only go so far. Can he really tell he's naked just by that peak? Why you got me out of my clothes and into these? I did. Hello. <laughs> Normally I like to be conscious for those sort of things, but what the hell? Yeah, just usually like to meet a woman before she sees me naked. It could have been a little more awkward. <laughs> what do we have here? Now, when I first saw this, I thought this was the Sedan Village redressed a little. Mm. According to the commentary, this was just a gravel pit that they dressed with uh, some fresh sod and planted some grass and uh, weeds and whatnot. Left it alone for a week and it grew quickly in the summer heat. There is no way to leave, John, other than to ascend. What exactly do you mean by there's no way? <sighs> that is the sole purpose of this place, to meditate upon ascension and one day join those who created the sanctuary. Well, the thing is, I've got other plans. Well, then why did you enter the portal? Well, call it a mistake. Tried to stop it, but the damn thing sucked me in. <laughs> that portal just poke your finger in it. <laughs> it's got you. Once you set foot within the sanctuary, your path was chosen. Not by me. Once you cross the threshold, you are committed to be here for the remainder of your days. <laughs> now, in our society, you'd have a warning sign in about 12 or 13 different languages, including some that you don't recognise. Just on the off chance, somebody from Tibet or... Yeah, if you uh, put a warning sign to be a certain type of people, will go, well, you get two types. You get the wrong types, you're like, ah, warning sign. Oh, no, ah, warning sign. And two would be what they're trying to keep from us. Let's go in. Yeah. A nice little bit of CGI work there with the probe. Probe's about to pass through into the field. Stand by. Damn it! What happened? Exactly what I was afraid would happen. But the probe was ripped apart by tidal forces of the event horizon almost instantly. So we can't fly through it and rescue Colonel Shepard? Not unless we want to be ripped apart too. Did you they didn't actually show it being destroyed. Show not tell, but they told us this time. <laughs> this is going to take me the better part of an hour to go through. A little echo of that Star Trek Voyager episode where, you know, they're orbiting a planet that time runs. Yep, anthropology. I'm being depressed. Is it so terrible here? No, you folks have been great. It's just have responsibilities back home. People I care about and care about me. At least I thought they did. Now, most of those flowers there are fake. Hmm. Made out of wax, silk and plastic, just to give the field a bit of colour. As I said, it's middle of the summer, 90 degree heat, and the fields are rather dry. I'm from a race of people who revered those who came before us, those who created this place. Again, a little 100 days vibe as well. Hmm. It was the greatest goal among our forefathers. Your forefathers? <laughs> Amazing. An easygoing lifestyle, no doubt. It took them many years to discover the location of this world, and once they found it, they came to this world as a pilgrimage. We are their descendants. Not many of you left. No, nope. we are the last. Look at him, he's gone native. <laughs> he's actually chewing a cornstalk, seriously? <laughs> well, I said he's gone native. <laughs> All he needs is a nice big hat. And more of a beard. Well, give him time. <laughs> We're not afraid of anything. I don't know, I'd be pretty afraid of that beast thing. As long as we stay in the cloister, we're safe. What kind of life is that? Well... The way they're talking, it, it looks like... They make it sound as if they've been here decades, you know, longer than like she was born here, but it doesn't seem that way. <laughs> ha! The telemetry was not entirely gibberish. Bring up the HUD. I've been able to determine the location of the power source inside the field, here. 
What good is that? Once we know where the generator is, one way or another, I should be able to turn it off. <laughs> I found the off switch. Yes, McKay never doubts his own abilities. Yeah, the problem is McKay's version of turn it off could mean, you know, it could blow up solar system. Yes. Okay, off might be better, McKay, because we see what happens when you try and turn <laughs> things on. Well, hey. <laughs> I bought a blanket and a picnic. Oh, I forgot the picnic. Oh, come on, John. Get into the spirit of the meditation. I'm not really a meditative person. No. Give her the other one, if she's so eager to help. Mike? Oh, come on. It'll do her good. Work those muscles. Nice music playing in the background by Joel Goldsmith. <laughs> He's going to go jogging. These strange ways of the, the foreigner. They made moccasins to fit in them. More meditation. Still bored. Oh, he's giving it. Or is he asleep? He's asleep, isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on, John. At least you should be whittling something. You know, you don't have to do this for me every morning. You saved my brother's life. Don't knock it, John. Don't knock it. <laughs> he is meditating with the others. He's always meditating. Everyone's always meditating. Well, at least share it with me. You don't have to close the door. Although it looks like she's up to something. Be careful, John. <laughs> Always at the most inopportune time. Yep. I thought at the very least she'd jump up into his arms. At the last minute you realise how heavy she was. Take her inside. John. Do it. Go. Look at the tennis ball, everybody. The tennis ball. Over here. You in the back. <laughs> Over here. There we go. You've seen it. Yes. And they can go off and uh, run the diner in the UK. <laughs> hey, people. I'm starting to develop some serious abandonment issues here. <laughs> <laughs> They've vanished. Don't worry. I got a knife. <laughs> I got a knife. That's our knife. That's it. You save them once. And you've got to keep doing it. Now there's two of us! With one knife. That's not a knife. You see, how many ways out of that cavern are there if he's got to leave an arrow? Ronan. He left a sign for us to see. They must have gone to look for another way out. At least we know he may still be alive. Kayla, Ronan. Inbound and a jumper and should touch down in a few minutes. Meet us at the landing site. Understood. Maybe it's the new landing site somewhere closer. <laughs> probably not. You should probably told Ronan, while you're there, get a bit of C4 and level some trees so we can land. Oh my. I think it's pretty close to hitting the major archery. Is it me or does he look like the uh, main servant of the Orai? Not really, but you have seen him before. Avrid is played by David McNally. He's been in two other episodes of SG-1, Demons and Korai. Also been in Forsaken, Heartland, Blood Ties, Lonesome Dove, and wait for it, The Two Ronnies. I'm scratching my head over that one. It seems so out of place. Yeah, obviously, if they've got the, uh, the mental capabilities to heal, they are very close. Yes, stay on the path. Don't walk on the moors. <laughs> well, there is a beast, isn't there? You know, it all fits together. Yeah. Couldn't you do anything about the other or the little cuts and bruises around it? Violence is not the path to ascension. There's a difference between violence and self-defense. Yeah, and there's the brash American who's been beaten by it. If we leave the path, it may be lost to us forever. Everything may be lost to you forever unless you stand up to that damn thing. Yep, life throws obstacles in your path. I must join the others in meditation. And yet more quiet contemplation of life's eternal mysteries. You sure it was three seconds? Yes. And there's 12 minutes of video? Yes. All right, so it's a ratio of about... Uh... 250 to 1. <laughs> I set my watch through, along with a letter to Colonel Shepard telling him we are doing our best to rescue him. If you would like to check again... No, 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 that's good, that's good, that's good, good, good thinking. <laughs> Catch up, Rodney. You got the feeling he's come already with a speech and everything, and she kind of uh, derailed him. Hmm. Yeah, right there. I think basically Taylor 
as has happened with me in my experience, women, the purpose of women is to derail people who are too impressed with their own cleverness. God knows that's happened to me often. I decided to take a run all the way back to the portal. Look what I found. I don't know what took him so long, but my friends finally sent some supplies through. As in this case, he's happy. He's mm. He's got all processed food. <laughs> I've had enough of this fresh fruit and vegetables. I knew. I was following your journey in my mind. So, when you found that nice secluded spot... <laughs> Is that some special power of yours you haven't told me about? Yes. Oh. I've been with you each time you've searched for a means to leave us. As Hedda has the power to heal, I'm able to see images in my mind. It's not uncommon for those on the path to ascension to gain such abilities. I wish you would have told me I could have used you out there. It took me forever to find this stuff. Now they've done this night scene by the very simple process of throwing a big black tent over the foot. <laughs> it raised the temperature considerably, so you can't see them, but they're uh, sweating like hell. <laughs> Come on, John. Like you guards right here. Enough with the food. Oh. Yeah, I'll show you a whole new form of paradise. You're supposed to sit with your legs crossed, John. I was the one who sent Avra to find you. You did? Because I knew you were coming that night. And I knew where you would be, in the field. And I have known since I was a child that you would sit here with me as you do now. I've been able to close my eyes and see your face for my entire life, John. You are the one. It was in my horoscope. Awkwardly? The one word. The one who will lead us to ascension. Okay, this is this is creepy. <laughs> oh. And I knew you'd be nervous, and I knew you'd take some convincing. Nothing, I just was hoping you were going a different direction with that. And then I did this. Great, okay, John, bend the spoon with your mind, you're the one. There is no spoon. That's why I waited for you. Really? Tonight. Tonight? I, I wish you would have told me I wouldn't have gone on a ten-hour run. And in the coming days, once you have defeated the beast. <laughs> she was. She's seen everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well. Don't worry. That ain't going to put her off. Compared to the rest of the men in this small village, you know, you're rugged and manly. Yeah, manly men. Your facial hair, John. The other men have beard envy. Yeah, well. Yes, always does. This will kill you. <laughs> yes, then you can ascend. <laughs> you can lie there covered in bandages. Rather, swathed in bandages. Swathed or swathed? It'll work either way. All hail, Captain Kirk. I think I told you about my experience on Saturday, did I? Nope. I'll tell you after. Okie dokie. Okay, I think I've got it. That just looks like an LED scanner. It probably <laughs> is an LED scanner. Yeah, really high technology. But a place the last of the ancients could travel to and hopefully ascend without fear of attack. Well, of course. They could potentially spend entire lifetimes inside the field before the Wraith even discovered the place. And if they ever attacked, their ships would get torn apart just as the probe did. And so it has remained for 10,000 years. This writing here, this serves as a sort of welcome. Yes, but then again, I imagine the Wraith, if they really wanted, could probably destroy the planet. See? Now, no disrespect to Elizabeth, but there should be other people who can read ancient better than she can. And what's the warning? That once you cross the threshold, there's no return. That is, unless you have the exact location of the power source and the expertise to turn it off. Hey, we may even get a ZPM out of this. <laughs> really, Dick? Rodney? Well, an hour would give us months in there, but uh, Elizabeth, of all the people who should stay, it would be you. There may be writing by the power source that needs translating. Look, if there is a slight chance that when we go Rodney, through the... I'm going. Lieutenant, one hour. Then head back to Atlantis and see if Zelenka can think of anything. I mean, let's face it, she plays solitaire all day. We all know it. Now I'm the only doctor here, so I should probably just... Carson, it probably won't hurt so much if you just go through quickly. All right, let's do this. I know all of a sudden he's feeling hopeful and everything, but still. <laughs> Problem, Carson. Oh, dear. Yeah. So basically, you're resigning. <laughs> we're all going. That's why we're here. Was it so bad? Hmm. You were just. Mm, that's weird, huh? Yeah, he stepped through and she followed him five seconds later, but he's had his feet up, brewed a cuppa. We had a long walk ahead of us, so. Uh... Yes, time dilation. It's almost as if she only now just believes him. <laughs> Sit down on this nice, comfortable stone floor. Oh, I. Oh, hey. mm. Some 
unusual looking fruit. Haven't any of you seen thunderstorms? The sanctuary provides rain for the orchards. I'm talking about thunder and lightning. Giant bolts of electricity shooting down from the sky. Sounds scary. Well, it is scary, but it's also very cool. Pretty sure they could do better with a blade. Probably. They've got all the time in the world to actually do something that's a bit thinner and it's more dainty. Yeah. Oh, by the way, meanwhile, in another show, the Ori are coming to get you. Hell, if you're ascended, you can make thunderstorms. I'm talking about actually experiencing life. We contemplate on the experience that is life each day. Isn't he irritatingly smug? <laughs> Probably a morning person. Kind of reflects the old attitude. They're so happy here. And they pay lip service to ascending, making the, that extra step, but none mm. of them are willing to take it. Our lives are full. Well, I've spent a lot of time with you folks, and I don't think full means what you think it means. To ascend, one must meditate. You're not meditating, you're hiding. You see, the Jafar at Kev had Omer to help him out. Mm. Little circular sand pits and candles and food cooking and all sorts of metaphors. Yes, I do. But I don't know how any of you expect me to feel like I belong here, but every time that thing comes around, I'm out there alone. And it's about time one of them's finally admitted it. The beast. I'm not alone. I know, you were out there too. No, I mean your friends have come. They number five. Not this five of them then. They come for you. Yeah, are you sure? It's the best news I've No, heard. John. I sent something more. The beast is nearly upon them. Again, to the rescue. See, good job I kept up all the cardio work. I was just thinking, this entire field, I mean, not the field, I mean, the, the, the field field, must generate its own day and night cycle, not to mention its own artificial climate. I mean, it's incredible. When you think You want to pick up the pace, McKay? Hey, he's waited for months. Another half hour isn't going to kill him. Well, we don't know how long it's going to take to find him. Hi, and besides that, I have a date planned with Lieutenant Cabman for tomorrow night. Oh, no, so we've only got 12 years in here. What? What is it? <laughs> See, this is unusual, isn't it? You know, the... Ancients set this up, but this is this is almost a technology that you marvel that they were capable of. No, but I sense something is close. Maybe we should try another way. What can we swim through the bushes? Won't make any difference. Stalking us. Sounds like it's more than one. You know, more than one what? I do not know. Not when it's walking towards you. That's not stalking. <laughs> well, there it is. I sense a great disturbance in the field. Oh, here you go, Ronan. Oh. More wire work, please. Get it, Taylor. Get it. Where did Ronan get a sword? <laughs> he always carries it. It's that white ivory handle that's sticking out his back all the time. Ooh. <laughs> You've got to admire her courage. <laughs> Didn't work that time, did it, John? Yep. What the hell took you so long? Believe it or not, you're only gone a couple of hours. Try six months. You don't understand. You've been trapped in a time dilation field. What? What was that bloody thing? I don't know. What's a time dilation field? Can we talk about this somewhere else? No. It is still close. Look at that, Ronan's dad. <laughs> We've had enough explanations of a time dilation field for one episode. Thank you very much. And it's bigger. Yes. Roar. <laughs> it's like a, a big boss at the end of a game. You've achieved this much, so you face a bigger opponent. Yeah, then there. It's time for you to have See, John, that's a knife. <laughs> we die. <laughs> we say we just fight it and see what happens. John? Ah, reinforcements. Friends of yours. Yeah. Bring on the extras. We've come to stand with you, whatever happens. No. We've come to fight. And we are not afraid of you. Beast is of our own creation. And it is long past time we sent it away. They had a bit more trouble making the beast look like they wanted uh, hmm. against the blue sky. It looks a bit washed out. Still a pretty good effect, though. Where is the innocent child? Turn up. Reminds me a bit of a Forbidden Planet. Hmm. A little bit. Well, that was a bit easy, wasn't it? Yeah. Come on. John's probably thinking, hang on a minute. That's it? That's all it took? The power of mind compels you. Yeah. <laughs> we're afraid. 
The beast was the final burden we had to shed, manifest from our own fears. You gave us the courage to face it. Yeah, it took you, John, to show us the way. Come with us. You and your bangstick. Pretty good offer, John. Pretty good offer. Although they probably they don't go in for the physical recreation upon the Ascenders plane. And I'm still young and devilishly handsome, he's thinking. Yes. There are more Ascended women in this galaxy, I'm sure of it. I look forward to it. There will be no need to destroy the sanctuary, Dr. McKay. What? <laughs> Who, me? No, 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 I wasn't thinking that. I was... We will keep the portal open for you until you're gone. Well, at which point the ZPM, which uh, undoubtedly powers this beautiful place, will the be available... The sanctuary was left by those who came before us. For those who may seek it out and follow the path. You tell him. <laughs> and it will continue to remain after you are gone. Yeah, but... This is passive-aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of certain English players I have to interact with on the other side of the reasons I changed factions. Beam me up, Ascension. <laughs> this is a bit weird. There's no particular reason they have to, you know, ascend the second. It's a show for an American audience. Don't we not get the subtlety otherwise? Okay. women. <laughs> <laughs> Have we seen John actually showing any interest in the normal base personnel? Well, the beard is interesting. First thing to go when we get home. You could play Don't evil John. Uh, Roland's like, I'm the bearded one here. Missed you a little. Yeah, it was only a couple hours for us, so. Ronan, we were all quite worried about you. Of course we were. We we're just sorry we didn't get here sooner. Ronan was worried. You know, he, that's why he was badgering McKay so much. But now he's, oh, we didn't miss you. It's only been a couple of hours. Well, that was quick. Go on, check Twitter, Alan. I see three new interactions. Yes, Malp on a Stick. Great little one-shot episode. Enjoy it, guys. Other than that, Brad doing his usual favouriting and retweeting. Fair enough. And that was Epiphany, Season 2, Episode 12. Like Brad says, a standalone episode, but uh, yeah, I do enjoy that episode. It looks fantastic. Again, we get first-time director Neil Fernley, who never directs another episode of, in the franchise. We've had that before. It's unusual why that is the case. It's not as if that's all they did. Like I said, you look at his resume, and uh, he's actually done a lot of work. Earth Final Conflict, Cedar Cove, Jeremiah, Missing, Outer Limits, Arctic Air, War of the World, so he's a busy director. Okay then, a little trivia. Brad Wright, who came up with this story with Joe Flanagan and wrote the episode, he ended up writing 18 episodes for SG-1, 3 for Atlantis and 6 for Universe. Like I say, really, with Neil doing the commentary, there isn't bits and bobs pulled from it. I didn't mean to do that. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Okay then, we have a little feedback this week from our Facebook and Google Plus groups. So we have feedback. We have feedback on collateral damage. Yeah. I see an X303. BC303. Shouldn't that be an X303? It's a variant that's on board the Prometheus. Right. You can do Brad and I'll do Gate Tech Alpha 6 if you like. Okay then. Brad posted, need to revisit this one before commenting. And Gaytag Alpha 6 replied, definitely one out of the box. I feel the crime of passion needed to be toned down for a PG rating. Memory stuff is serviceable and explains enough for the viewer to go with. I am glad we see the tech in a future ep. And even though the aura are causing havoc across the galaxy, I'm glad they are taking time to do little eps like this to build character development and backstory. We also got a post from Adrian Wonders. I think I have to limit my SG-1 rewatch till I catch up with the podcast. Being in season four on the podcast and seasons seven on the show is jarring. Mm. And I replied, the TV show must always come first. And Andrew replied, but but I'm nearing the end of season seven of the show. I'm nearing the end of season four of the podcast. I can bang through about three podcasts a day at this rate. I'll be caught up in two weeks or so. To which I replied, we look forward to the three hours of recorded audio feedback this listen will generate. And I would have replied, <laughs> if only. Yeah. <laughs> You really don't want to tempt them to do that. <laughs> do you really want to have to listen to three hours of recorded audio feedback? <laughs> and either edit it down to something manageable, create it as a special. Well, that'd be something. There are podcasts out there that have shows just for feedback. GWC used to do it. Trying to logic do it now. 
It's nice when you get that level of feedback. On our Google Plus group, we'll begin with Mac, who posted, Great podcast again, guys. Thanks. Now for the episode. Not a favourite of mine, too random. Didn't feel Stargate. Felt more Star Trek, if I'm honest. But in the end, SG-1 got some cool tech out of it. And I replied, yes, it definitely felt different and more stylized. Closer, in fact, to the Atlantis episode, Vegas. And Matt replied, yes, I agreed. Another strange episode. And Dirk Yapple posted, The one with the hotshot pilot gets falsely accused of murder, and the memory of it's implanted into his mind. Luckily, Tuvok proved Tom's innocence. And I replied, The F-16 is so much cooler than the Delta Flyer, though. And Dirk answered back, But the Delta Flyer is much more badass. Cheers, guys. We are going to highlight just three Stargate-related birthdays for the upcoming week, since they are pretty spectacular for the show and the sci-fi genre. On the 17th, a very happy birthday to one of the coolest actors around, Mr. Kurt Russell, who of course was the original Jack O'Neill in the Stargate movie, as well as starring in so many iconic movies over the years. On the 19th, Connor Trenea will be celebrating his birth. He made his mark playing Trip on Enterprise, and then was Michael on Stargate Atlantis. By all accounts, an excellent guest at conventions. Finally, on the 20th, the great John Delancey has his birthday. He guest starred on five episodes of SG-1 as Colonel Frank Simmons, but is best known for his role as Q on TNG, DS9 and Voyager. That's the feedback and birthday news for the week. Keep the Stargate chat up via Facebook, Google Plus and Twitter, and of course our website. We love to talk Stargate. And if you fancy joining us for a show, then please get in touch. If you do want to contact us, then you can do so by sending us an email via gatecastpodcast at gmail.com or visiting the contact form on gatecast.co.uk. We are also on Facebook and Google+. Do a search for Gatecast. And we are on Twitter, at the Gatecast, which is one word. We can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio. Right then, let's wrap up the show. Okay then folks, that was Epiphany. Next week we're back at the SGC with a ripple effect and Thomas joins us for that episode. He does? Right. Yes he does. We've recorded it already. Oh, right. Okay. You remember? <laughs> Only about two weeks ago. I've had a very... Uh, I started playing Ingress on the 15th. I thought you were playing it longer than that. I was, but then I switched sides and I stopped playing for a month. Oh. So I restart playing from scratch. Because you lose all your equipment and all your uh, action points. So I was at zero, roughly, nine days ago. Okay. And now I'm at 556,000, I think. I hope you join us next week for Ripple Effect. Until then, I've been Mike. And I've been tired. And Alan. Yes, that too. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.